Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis, and excited to bring you our Voices interview for the month of April. When this episode drops, it'll be just a few days from Easter, actually Good Friday. And I know our show has listeners of all different faith backgrounds, but regardless of your religious views or lack thereof, I think Easter's symbolism of redemption and renewal is something we can all connect to, especially this time of year. And today's guest, Sarah Jakes Roberts, has an amazing story of renewal that really started with recognizing her own worth. Sarah is an author, pastor, and mom of six, and her journey to motherhood began at the age of 13. Sarah was a pastor's kid, and not just any pastor's kid, but the daughter of an influential bishop at a megachurch. So you can imagine how all that went down, right? Well, if you've been listening to the Mom Hour for a while, you'll know that I became a mom pretty young myself, and I remember all those feelings of not only having my life pretty much upended by this huge, unexpected, life-changing event, but also having that evidence of my not you know, following the rules literally attached to my body, first as a big pregnant belly, and then later as a baby in a carrier, and so on and so on. And there can be a lot of mixed feelings that go along with pregnancy at any age, but I think that for really young moms, it's really harsh because no matter how much you might enjoy motherhood and even be good at it, there's this sense that you really shouldn't expect too much from your life from now on. And if I was feeling that at 19, I can only imagine how intensely Sarah was feeling it at 13 especially under the microscope of her family's visibility. Her fifth book, Woman Evolve, will launch on April 6th, and it's a look at the potential of womanhood through the story of Eve, who, we're joking in the interview, could really use a rebrand. I hope you'll enjoy this interview with Sarah Jakes Roberts, and just a reminder that you can find links to her books, including Woman Evolve, in the show notes for today's episode at themomhour.com. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. 
Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the Mom Hour. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, We were just chatting before we started recording about the fact that our kids' ages line up very similarly. Um, But you're quite a bit younger than me, I think. And I started pretty young. So you must have started really, really young. And I know that's a big part of your story. So do you want to just tell us kind of your journey from starting off as a teen mom um, to just blending your family, starting your business, becoming a pastor? In just kind of like a like a succinct as you can, um, give me that nutshell story of your journey. Sure. So I got pregnant at 13. I had my son of 14 years old. And I spent the next few years after that trying to recover from the teen pregnancy, at least I thought. And it wasn't until I realized that what really needed an opportunity to recover was my heart, my soul my idea of self. And when I began to focus inwardly, instead of trying to build a life externally that people would be proud of, I really began to see my life change from the inside out. And now I just create opportunities, spaces, books, events, Mm. podcasts for women to kind of do the same. Wow. Okay. That is, that is really young. And I know that there, there is so much, you know, we have, we have some listeners who are relatively young moms and I was a relatively young mom, but there is, um, there can be a lot of shame around that. And then like a lot of feeling like you have to 
meet other people's expectations, make up for, you know, your quote unquote mistake, all of those things. And I love that you reframed that into something that was an internal journey for you. But at the same time, you're dealing with really real life issues, right? Like having to pay your bills and having to raise your kids and, and having to still grow up yourself. So how did that all play out when your kids were really little? Man, um, you know, it was quite a journey. I did so many different odd jobs and finally landed something that had opportunity for growth as a receptionist. And although things were moving in a great direction on the career path side, you know, I finally had some stability. There was still, like I said, this inside part of me that I couldn't quite figure out why I didn't feel like I had recovered or that I had finally had this redemptive moment. And I'm still, you know, raising a child at the same time. And I think that's what so many of us can relate to is the duality. Um, I'm supposed to have it all together because of my age or degree or wherever I am in life. And yet I'm still working on parts of myself. And so, um, you know, my son in his patience with me was remarkable. He was not a, <laughs> I think my 11 year old is just making sure that I <laughs> really pay for all of those things, but he was so patient and kind mm. and such an easy child to raise that it gave me room to kind of focus on building a life for us. And so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Wow. That is like, sometimes you get just what you need when you need it. And, um, I think that like, so many can relate to this idea that you you did get a good, stable job. Everything was kind of moving in this direction that seemed really positive. But sometimes it's like it can feel like then well, this is all I can achieve or like this. I, I should be lucky that I got this far and I should just settle in. But obviously you knew that there was something bigger for you or something broader and you could reach more people. So when did those stirrings start to happen? You know, I don't know that I felt like I knew that there was something bigger. I I, wa I don't want to give myself that much credit. I really feel like I stumbled into purpose. There are a lot of people, and I think that that's something that, you know, is worthy of a conversation within itself, is a lot of times we think that, like, purpose is something that we just wake up in the morning and then we discover it. But mm. I really stumbled into it uh, doing a similar job <laughs> to mm. what I am doing now. I was helping someone else build an organization that was meant to help women recover from some of the setbacks in their life. And once again, purely administrative, I wasn't speaking, I wasn't empowering them. I was just kind of behind the scenes, but there was something about seeing another woman evolve and take ownership of her life and not just the pretty parts, but the parts that are hard to digest and to stand up and build a life with those things. And so I went from doing that administratively to daring and challenging myself to not just serve what someone else was doing, but to serve my own journey and my own growth. And the more that I did that, I started blogging. People would invite me to speak. And, and so it became something that I realized that people were hungry for. Women needed reassurance. They needed sisterhood and connection so that they could grow. And I decided to become more intentional about creating those spaces and opportunity for connection development. And then ultimately, um, evolving into the highest, coolest, most confident version of ourselves. Wow. Yeah. And I love what you said that like purpose isn't something you just stumble upon or something you can like go out looking for and find it in a pot of gold under the rainbow or something, right? It's like it, it, it evolves, it comes from action um, and the things that we're doing and it's like revealed to you. That's really cool that that's how that happened. So 
So you're getting invited to speak. Um, those things are starting to happen. And, and then what? Okay. So what I noticed about the places that I was speaking is that like people were coming, they wanted me to share my story just about having my son at an early age and how I came to a place of, you know, healing uh, through the scars and shame and, and all of those feelings that come when you've experienced something that changes the way that you see yourself. But then I realized that I could be one of those people who just gets invited to speak and they go, or I could take notice of what was happening. Cause at that same time, my social media was growing exponentially. Like it was mm. just crazy growth. And I realized that there were moments where I was speaking to people, but I wasn't always speaking to the people who followed me. Mm. And so I decided to kind of take a leap of faith really and create an environment where those people who aren't in some of those spaces, cause I'm, I'm speaking everywhere from corporations to churches, but there were these people who were following me like I wasn't in their city or they didn't go to this particular space. They didn't feel safe there. And so I said, well, let me create an opportunity for them to come out. I didn't know if they were going to come or not, you know, but we did this tour and the tour sold out in like the first week that the tickets Mm -hmm. were on sale. And I think that that's when I realized that I didn't want to just wait for someone to tell me when I could speak or tell me when I could show up, that I wanted to create opportunity for my vision and my purpose to be manifested in an environment where women could connect to my story in particular. Wow. And what what kind of, um, I know you, you said that like people were finding you and you sold this event out and where were these women, they were finding you via social media, they were finding you on your blog, but where were they in their journey um, or, or what did they relate to in your journey? Oh, goodness. So many of them had basically lost faith. Mm. And I think that them losing faith was compounded by places and spaces of faith devaluing their journey or thinking that because of this one thing that happened to you or these two things that happened to you, that you're no longer eligible for this purposeful life. Yeah, And so I very much so found women who were like me and that we didn't really know where we fit in traditional, maybe religious spaces, but still wanted to believe. Cause you, sometimes you just want to believe you don't fully have belief. I just want to <laughs> you believe. just want it. Yes. <laughs> I just want to, I just yeah. want to. And I found those women who wanted to believe and we took that want and changed it into action. And, and now they believe in themselves and the world and faith again. And that that's what I, I live to do is to awaken someone to the reality that there's still hope. There's still an opportunity. There's still a chance. Mm. Um, so we're going to, this will be airing just, a just on good Friday. So a couple of days before Easter and your story, um, you know, moves into you ending up becoming a pastor and you've written several, um, books, that are faith-based. And I know we've got a variety of, of listeners of all different faith backgrounds, but I just think that this is such a great like redemption story, a rebirth story. It fits so well into this time mm-hmm. of year. And I would love to dig into that a little bit because I love what you said about sometimes you just want to believe and, and you can't force yourself. Like belief is belief for a reason. Faith is faith because it can't be proven, right? So um, talk a little bit about that and how that has looked for you. And you said you didn't fit into the traditional religious spaces. What did you mean by that? Well, I mean, having my son at 14 kind of just immediately 
put this like a lot of people do things when they're younger, yeah. but they're not walking around with evidence that it occurred. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you yep. Know? That's a t- like literally using up their bank account. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So this is walking evidence that I broke the rules, that I wasn't a quote unquote good girl. You know, there's such this, um, you know, idolization of like purity and virginity, especially in, you know, at least in my faith as a Christian. And so at the point that I didn't have any of those things and then like I'm I'm a black girl, a black girl in church, like you got to be able to sing. You need to be able to dance. I don't know that I have the best rhythm. So there were like so many different things. So many strikes against you. (laughs) So many strikes. They're like, you know what? You can go sit in the corner. That's where you can go and sit. And so me and my You can work in the nursery. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Take you and your child. Go work in children's church. Yeah. And um, so, yes, I didn't really feel like I fit. Like I had a space there. And um, I, I ended up moving anyway, because I wanted what keeps us from wanting to believe, especially when we've had so many people basically tell us, maybe you're not worthy or you don't have value or you feel those feelings yourself. I think that what keeps us from wanting to believe is the fear that if I believe or and if I messed up or if it doesn't go the way that I want to. I don't think I can handle another devastation. Yeah. So it's easier for me to not want anything at all, to go through life numb, yeah. to go through life like I don't need anything or need anyone, than to risk the vulnerability that comes with wanting to experience joy and peace and fulfillment. And so um, a lot of what I do, I feel, is to bring women to a space of, connection with that version of yourself because she's not dead. Sometimes we think she's dead, but there is this hunger that existed, whether we were little girls running around in the grass or in college with optimism. There was a version of us that believed it was instilled in us. And if I can reconnect us to that version, then I believe that we can guide that person through the wounds and wisdom of our womanhood. We can guide that little girl version of us to a place of adulthood where she recognizes how to believe and how to recover. And that is all a part of this beautiful thing called life. Wow. Um, yeah, I, the whole that really resonates with the whole idea that you don't you don't expect anything anymore um, because it's just easier not to. And then you won't be disappointed. That's just like I think a lot of people can identify with that, um, especially women. So, you know, you you have this great you are this great example of someone who found you kept on keeping on with your faith, even though you didn't, it didn't, uh, you didn't fit the mold. We could put it that way. Um, or maybe you rediscovered faith, even though it had been kind of something that was, you know, it just seemed off limits to you because of your background. And like you said, that evidence that's you're walking, literally holding your hand, walking around next to you. Um, how do you bring that forward now into the work you do, not just with the women that you work with through your ministry, but also you're a pastor of a church. So like, how do you bring that into your, into your work as a pastor? Well, what I have found, and I actually talk about this a little bit in Woman Evolve is that for me, you know, my pregnancy, my, you know, having sex at that age, like that was forbidden fruit. Right. Mm -hmm. But the forbidden fruit is not the, it's not how things begin. That's the end result. How things begin is more like I didn't feel like I fit. Um, I felt isolated. I wanted someone to love me. I wanted someone to value me. 
And those core feelings, that um, dysfunction, that inadequacy that I felt played out in me having a teen pregnancy, but for other people, it plays out in them becoming workaholics or alcoholics. And as I pastor people, I stay connected to the root, not the fruit, right? (laughs) Because the root of what it means to be a human on a journey means that there are moments where we have weeds. And so I see that whether I am speaking to a room uh, with men and women or just women or predominantly men, that at the end of the day, we're all trying to navigate these snares snares of life. And my goal is to get us to acknowledge them so that they can be healed mm-hmm. and so that we can build a life that protects us from ourselves. Because if, <laughs> un- if we don't notice these things and they show up in our life anyway. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay, back to my interview with author and mom of six, Sarah Jakes Roberts. Okay, so you mentioned Woman Evolve, and that is the name of your new book, um, which will come out, wow, like when this drops on April 2nd, will be what, four days from your book launching, right? And this is book number three or four for you, correct? Or more than that? 
this is book number five. Five. Wow. Okay. So you've yeah. been through this rigmarole a few times. Um, <laughs> but but mm-hmm. Woman Evolve is also the name of your of your ministry and the mentoring and, and coaching that you do for women. Is that correct? So that the that idea has been around for a while. Um, I love that sort of the, what I'm reading about the, about the book is that you're tying this to the story of Eve. Um, and Eve needed kind of a rebrand <laughs> in a way. Um, yes, the ultimate rebrand. needed a rebrand. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> so, so tell us about the book and how you've tied that into your story. How you tied your story and the story of women that you see around you to the Eve story. You know, as a girl, even though I was far away from faith and I had my moments in college where I did not have any faith at all, there was one thing that I would always say, and that's like, when I get to heaven, I'm pulling Eve to the side and I'm going to be like, girl, you have one job. Like right. you messed it up for all of us because you could not do your one job. Now I have 18 jobs because you can do your one job. I had like this full dissertation in my mind of what I would say to Eve. And then like, I had this feeling, this like check in my spirit, which was like, how are you going to be out here empowering women and planning your revenge on someone <laughs> when you get to heaven? And so I was like, okay, let's dig into this. And I started reading just the story of creation. And I accompanied the story of creation in the Christian faith, like in Genesis, I I accompanied that story with the reality that so much of how we've seen women treated in the world uh, politically, when we see them corporately, has to do with this perception of Eve, this idea of a woman's place and her value and whether or not she's able to to do what men can do comes down to this moment in the garden. And so I saw all of this Every woman, every woman's fight, every woman's issue, every woman's fight, starting with this moment in the garden. And so I started studying what happened when she ate from that fruit. And and there's so many things in there. Um, But she says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And that word deceived means seduction. So there was like Mm. this slow seduction of her mind. And then she ate from the fruit. And that's when I got it. That's like when everything clicked for me, because I had been penalizing myself were eating from the fruit, but I didn't really do the work to see when my mind began to change. When our mind changes, we start settling for toxic relationships. When our mind changes, we don't go for the promotion. Our mind changes and then it changes our diet, right? It changes the way we show up in the world. And so all of a sudden I thought, man, if I could rescue Eve, I think that I could rescue every woman because Eve knew better, but didn't do better. And I can certainly relate to knowing better, but not doing better. But Outside of just that moment when she ate from the tree, I also went back to like her original purpose in Genesis 1, like when God created male and female. He said, I gave them dominion, be fruitful and multiply, subdue, which means like this was a powerful woman in leadership. And this one thing sucked all of her power out. What if I could get other women to see that the power is still available to us? We just have to do the work, which I saw Eve doing throughout scripture when I continued the story. And so that just kind of created this passion. Evolve is like my ode to Eve um, mm. because she evolved from that moment and, and we're all better because of it. Mm. So how do you see that story playing out now with women who maybe don't think they can, um, they have the chops uh, to, you know, lead in the business world or aren't sure they're worthy of the relationship or don't speak up for themselves. Like, do you see that, you know, instead of looking at as like, um, you know, you've brought this sin upon us, is it more like the lessons we can learn from that story? 
For sure. Well, I think it goes back to like the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so I think women and I and I talk through this in the book is like understanding where the deception is, like where where's the deception? What are you believing about yourself that keeps you from believing that you have worth, that keeps you from walking away from a toxic relationship? Like, let's pinpoint this lie, because a lot of times we just say, I just don't feel like it. But let's actually do the work. Why don't we feel like it? And then let's go further. When was the first time? that you felt unworthy? When was the first time that you felt like you didn't have value? And a lot of times we see that our adult responses has a lot to do with, you know, childhood trauma and that our trauma is making decisions about our destiny. And yet, if we continue to allow that to happen, then we can't be fulfilled. If fear is in control, if trauma is in control, then how can we ever live in the fullness of our faith and our identity and our belief and confidence? And so we kind of deconstruct, we take our steps backwards to see where things got off track. And then we move forward from that point forward, creating this vision of what we know our life is supposed to look like if faith was in charge and living from that truth. One of the things I know that you talk about in the book and um, and in your ministry as well is the difference between self-care and soul care and the fact yeah. that you need both. I think self-care has become, well, it's become basically an industry to sell bubble bath, but, you know, like <laughs> it's become this very kind of uh, cliche idea that like if you, you know, if you go get a massage, that's self-care. And that's all great. And those are things that are very important and, and it's good to take care of yourself. But soul care feels much more fundamental. So can you define the difference? For sure. So to your point, for me, sometimes like when people, are, when I say I need time for myself, people are like, oh, go get your nails done, go get a massage. <laughs> and I'm like, if I had time to get my nails done, I would rather go to sleep. Like right. that is my truth. Like, <laughs> right. you know, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to go. And um, so I realized that what I'm really aching for has nothing to do with, oh, I need to go for a run, though exercise is important and taking care of your body is good. Your body is self-care. Your soul is how I'm able to receive communication. It's how I communicate. And so soul care is checking in with yourself. When is the last time we say, how are you these days? And we really don't want you to answer. <laughs> we but don't want to know. When is the last time? No, <laughs> girl, no. Girl, please. <laughs> Yeah, But like, when's the last time you asked yourself, how are you and gave yourself time to respond? And we just take so many responsibilities on as women. We have so many different experiences and we're out here and sometimes we've got on our superwoman cape to get it done, but we never say, oh, I'm bleeding over here or that actually did hurt me. And then, so what do I need to bring me peace? What does my meditation look like? What does my time away look like? And soul care, you can do with 10 minutes in the car by yourself. It doesn't require an hour of going away. It could be before you close your eyes at night or first thing in the morning to check in with your own soul to say you matter to you mm. first and to live from that space. I make decisions from that place of soul care. It determines how many meetings I can take. It determines if I need to clear my schedule for the weekend that soul care is, is so important. Yeah, that's a really, I love that because making decisions from either um, end of the spectrum when you're not tapped in are usually the wrong. Like if you make them at the end of the day when you're exhausted and you just want to cry, that's probably not the best time to make a decision. But maybe not also when you're like flying high on caffeine and it seems like the day, like you're a superwoman and you're, I can you're do everything. Yeah. And you're <laughs> glossing over the reality that you only have so many hours and that your priorities may not allow for that thing. So 
I think you're right. Like when you tap in, that's when you make the best choices for yourself and by extension, your family. Yeah. I mean, when people are like, how do you balance it all? Like I have to figure out who I am and what I can balance today. And from that place, I'm able to make a decision that takes into account, you know, what I need emotionally. Your emotional needs are important. So are the people in your life, but you come first. And I know we hear it all the time, you first and take care of you. But I think soul care really puts that into practice and, and helps to give women tools on how to actually do that in their lives. Yeah. So, Sarah, you now have six kids. Um, I believe you said your oldest is 24 or 25. Mm-hmm, 24. Okay. 24. And your youngest is five. So um, along the way, you you got married and then blended your yeah. family. So you've now got like a really big family. Um, I know people think I have a big family and you've you've mm-hmm. beat me. Uh, <laughs> and I love it. And you've you know, you're married and you have and you're a pastor. And I believe your husband is also a pastor and you've got this whole big life going on. How does this play out in your real life? You've got a few adult kids and I know the idea is that they're off doing their own thing, but we both know as moms of adult kids, the way it actually works is that you end up still being a real emotional caretaker in a lot of ways. And then you've got a really little one who still needs day-to-day care and you're living in Southern California. So, you know, I'm going to guess your littlest isn't in school all day. So how is this, how does your life actually play out? Okay. So I have help. I have help. That's the first thing I have to say is like, I have help and I felt guilty about it at first, but then I was like, okay, I've got to delegate. And there are some things that I'm not, I'm not going to be able to scrub everyone's toilet. So I'm going to need some (laughs) help keeping things clean. Um, We're fortunate now that our five-year-old, we actually found a teacher before the pandemic happened because we travel so much. We found a teacher to help support our 10-year-old at the time. And then when Ella, who's our five-year-old, kind of became of age, she started schooling her as well. And so they have school right there at home. Um, The older kids, all of, everyone still lives at home. No one's tried to go and spread their wings yet. (laughs) Um, So, you know, how does this play out in practice? I I asked my husband for a lot of help. My husband is definitely hands-on in our family. So the work is divided. Like, you know, sometimes we have the good good cop, bad cop. Sometimes he's helping lead the kids and then I help lead the kids. But I try to make sure that we are eating dinner, a home cooked meal, like four times out of the week, which uh, helps us to sit down and kind of talk as a family. And, um, you know, it's a, it depends on what day it is, how it plays out in practice. I'm at my office today and he's holding things down at home, but we, we try to switch and take turns. Yeah. And I know that that can be, I mean, it's very fluid and especially, um, right now with, I love that all your kids are still at home. Um, four out of five of mine are. And I, I like that. Like, it's just, it it gives you that feeling, that big family feeling is really fun when there's all those, the mixed age, um, mixed ages. How do your kids all relate to each other? Do you find that like having two busy parents and then this big blended family, is it kind of like this all hands on deck feeling? Well, I will tell you, so Four of the kids work for one of my, like one of my businesses. Oh, nice. (laughs) Okay. So it's truly is a family affair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. For sure. One works in the store. Another one works for our production company. Two of them work for our production company. One of them. So yeah, the four oldest children all work 
in one of the businesses that I own, which is really great because we work together. We live together now. I do have other people on staff as employees. So I have a buffer. So I'm not actually managing them each day, which is great because it preserves our parental relationship. Mm. And then, um, you know, the two, the two youngest are, like I said, at home. So that, yeah, it's definitely allowed us to stay close without getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, and, and I think that that's really like, that's like a cool thing to have everyone involved in like a common purpose, a common goal. Um, I think that's one of those, you know, any, any family would love that, but I feel like that's one of those big family things that can kind of be very special about having a lot of kids. Cause it's like, everyone can find their place in that shared, I guess that shared goal and that shared um, movement. So that's really cool. Well, tell us about the, so the book is coming out on April 6th. Tell us a little bit more specifically about the book. We talked a little bit about the Eve story and we talked about Women Evolve um, as the concept in the ministry. But if if someone were to buy this book, like what are they going to be learning about how to implement the things that we've talked about in their lives? Yeah, it's really practical. The book is, you know, I speak and I go around and I tour and my messages are like maybe 40 minutes at max. And yet in 40 minutes, you can't give everyone every single tool and nugget of wisdom to help them on their journey. And so I found that the book was an opportunity for me to start with the woman who doesn't feel like changing. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm over it to the woman who was finally open. And I kind of walked this journey with them through the book to ultimately revolutionizing their lives. That's what the book is called. Woman Evolve, break up with your fears and revolutionize your life. And my hope is that when people close this book, that they will realize the revolution is closer than it appears. It requires vulnerability. Sometimes it requires some work that we've never had to do before, some therapy, But at the end of the day, it is within reach. And there is a peace in knowing that change is in reach, that confidence is in reach. When it feels like it's far off, that's hard and we give up. But knowing that it's within reach is a beautiful, beautiful piece of wisdom to have. And that's what they'll get from Woman Evolve. I love it. Well, Sarah, where can um, listeners find you? I know that you're on Instagram. You've got a website. Do you have anything else coming up right now that they could kind of dig into? You know, we've got the book. We have a podcast, which is more like hot topics, but we find a way to squeeze some wisdom into that. But uh, Woman Evolve on the social media, I think, is the best place to kind of get plugged into the connection, the sisterhood, the constant inspiration. And then we have a book club where we're kind of like doing this work and growing together each month. So I just say follow us on social and see if there's anything that feels like I want to be a part of that. Love it. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and um, best of luck with the book launch. I know those are hairy and very busy and you're like right in the thick of it now. So I'm hoping for you in like two weeks that you can take the world's longest nap. (laughs) Thank you. Me too. (laughs) You're welcome. Have a great day and happy Easter. Thank you. You too. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. 
Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code Hour to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. 